so we'll keep it chill. Chill. This is the first episode of our new podcast. Uh, it is so new that we have not even finalized the name for this podcast. When you are listening at home, we will have a name. Yes, we will. My name is Michael. This is the cuz, Ben, what up, a.k.a. Guys? Benjamin. And we're going to be digging into the discographies and albums of your favorite artists, our favorite artists, maybe new artists here and there. Yeah, we're going to take it album by album. We're going to go artist by artist. I think we should just do every artist of all time and just see how far we get. Yeah. But we'll go album by album, break it down a little bit, um, starting with one of my favorite bands, Linkin Park. Yes, so we will not be starting alphabetically. No, 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 no. Because we have an anniversary to celebrate. <clears throat> yep. 20 years ago today, I was standing in a Target buying Hybrid Theory on a CD. Yeah. I remember the day. Me too. I remember <laughs> riding home after that. And that was 20 years ago. Not today, but what day is it? It's this month, October of 2020 is when Hybrid Theory, the first album by Linkin Park, turns 20 years old. And I was absolutely not in that Target with you. But it was one of the first albums I ever got. Got it for Christmas. Got it with a copy of uh, Destiny's Child, The Writing is on the Wall, another classic. I think there were four members of the group then. Hmm. Not three. (laughs) But yeah, a couple great albums. A CD player. Great time in history. It was uh, pre-iPods. Pre-MP3 players. Yeah, definitely pre-iPods. So you had to buy the CD. You were not streaming it. You were not listening on your phone or your MP3 player at the time. You Mm -hmm. were buying the disc. You were listening on your CD player. You were listening on your stereo system or in your car. If you were lucky enough to have a new CD player in your car and not a cassette tape player. Which I still have in my car. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing it at a different kid's house. I'm trying to remember if I heard Linkin Park on the radio or not. I think I did. I think that's why I wanted the album. That you must heard have it on it. the radio. Either crawling or in the end. Right. Yeah, yeah I remember a, a neighbor kid had the CD and played it to me. Well, just for reference, in 2000... Uh, Coldplay released Parachutes that year. We had Oasis dropping Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. Matchbox 20 dropped Mad Season. That was a big album. We had Bare Naked Ladies that dropped Maroon. I don't know if you remember that album or not. Uh, no. Eminem dropped the Marshall Mathers LP. I remember that album. Nelly dropped Country Grammar. Britney Spears dropped Oops, I Did It Again. I remember that album. So quite quite a period for uh, for folks our age yeah. at that time. So basically what we do on this podcast is we, we go album by album. We're going to do every Linkin Park album, and we're going to go song by song. We're going to dive deep. The whole point, point of it, we want to get – all the different styles, all the different, the good songs, the bad songs, like what what they tried to experiment, what worked, what didn't work, and kind of just go through the whole, just the whole catalog of any given artist, in this case, Linkin Park. 
Absolutely. I think they're a good one to start with. They got they got so many different genres. They essentially invented a genre to a certain extent, or they claim to. And, uh, you know, it'll be really cool. I'm really looking forward. I've been I've been into all their records, honestly. I know a lot of more, whatever, their later material or however you say it. Uh, people don't dig it as much as maybe some of their earlier, some of the stuff we're starting with. Yeah. Um, I was a fan of them all the way through. I bounced in and out a lot, listened to a lot of different things, so this would be great for me to listen to some of the later stuff more, so this would be a nice nice treat for me, uh, and re-listening to some of the older catalog, catching some different things, even listening to it in the car, caught some different sounds here and there on a different uh, platform, on different sounds on different songs, so it's interesting going back and listening to it. Yeah, there's a lot going on in all of these songs, they're definitely dense, like you know, they have the normal guitar bass drums that you would expect from like a rock song, but they've always got that DJ in there. They got Joe Hahn uh, doing samples and scratching and scratching. there's a lot to this stuff and it's not, it sounds natural. Like the whole thing that they, that they were able to come up with is like using all that stuff as an instrument. Like it, it does sound computery and, and, and kind of like programmed beats and stuff at certain certain songs, but just the way that it all blends together and just making making uh, kind of samples and programmed beats and all that kind of stuff musical, like really making it making it work as like a composition. I think they they really nailed that on all throughout their whole everything. And especially starting with hybrid theory, we'll go through some some patterns that we see from song to song from them, For as sure. in they've established a style. But even as we go through the discography, we'll talk about different things as they've evolved and tried different things and really at the forefront of a lot of different uh, experimentation, um, but really had an established style even coming into the first first album and then blossomed out of that. It's just really spectacular. So let's talk about, yeah, like the actual sound that they were going for i mean they they knew exactly what they wanted to do i guess they had done a hybrid theory ep before this um and a whole bunch of other recording and stuff i don't know how let's look it up here when did they officially form as a band versus was like it 96 how long so it took them four years to really narrow in. yeah it looked like 96 they were started doing doing records and stuff so so that makes sense. Like four years to kind of cook this up, the whole idea, starting with demos. I, I guess they had a different singer at one point. Well, yeah, uh, went through a couple, just a couple changes in the roster early on. But by the time they dropped the studio album, they had the six members that they kept throughout the discography. Um, so they had a real continuity, which you don't see in groups, especially yeah. through more than two or three albums yeah most anymore. bands can't keep it for one two the fact that they were able to more or less agree to change stylistically through different songs and albums uh as we'll go through and maintain the group and not have a change of yeah that's a good have point someone decide to do something else creative differences <laughs> and most bands yeah they'll 
switch it up and have people quit and everything. So it's called hybrid theory. So they, they are trying to kind of stake a claim that like, this is our theory. You can mix rock and rap and make this new thing. I really doubt that it's the first, it, I mean, it certainly isn't the first time that rap and rock had ever been put together. Like I, off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Run DMC and Aerosmith mashup in the eighties. Um, but maybe, it, you know, they really did kind of have their own spin on it. Like whether they invented it or not, they've got their own theory, their own hybrid style. It certainly is a hybrid style of music whether you're talking about the different genres or just the fact that they got the samples and the regular instruments together. The sound of it, though, I mean, you, it is n the new metal sound. Like, when you think of it, of that whole era, like, this, it's this album. Like, this sound, the guitars from this, it's just cool how they, they came up with something that was kind of an original blend, but then they also took it all the way to the mainstream and it was just the most polished version of it everybody got it immediately yeah so the first time that it's been an artist's goal to bring all these together stylistically and had it be really successful on a full project and have that be the sound going forward and then influence so many folks going forward and how they write music how they compose so maybe in that sense it's the first time it's been done as a full full project and incorporated in in every track being a full breathing breathing piece it's it's mixed on every track it goes back and forth and it's just it's just very like you said a metal rock hip-hop which is all over all over the the spectrum back and forth so maybe the first time that it's been a mainstay that's hit the mainstream and just been a full body of work yeah, that's probably fair. They probably made more money doing it than anyone else. That's, I believe, true. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I think that counts. So, yeah. So let's take you back. We'll just go over a couple more things in the year 2000, honestly, to kind of just set the stage of, of what was going on at that time. So in 2000, you've got shows like CSI, Big Brother, Survivor. Like that are still around today. Those all started in 2000. Oh, dang. Yep. I remember the first Survivor. You had movies like uh, Road Trip, uh, X-Men. Those are the first of those movies that started. Oh, man. Final Destination, Scary Movie, Mission Impossible 2. So a whole bunch of movies. Um, I feel like X-Men is... That first X-Men is about the same amount of edginess as hybrid theory. Like, that makes <laughs> sense. Probably. It's, like, edgy, but not, you know, ridic you know not over the top. Like, that's the, the same amount. Now we've got Deadpool and Logan and all these crazy ones, but, like. And I think that was the first X-Men that launched the comic book. One of the first big ones that launched the, the whole comic book movie craze we have now. Yeah, it was either so that or Spider-Man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could relate that to how hybrid theory influenced music today. So 20 years of superhero flicks, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. So the NBA, NFL, NHL all had fewer sports teams. <laughs> there were smaller leagues then. Huh. 
gas was uh, a little over a dollar a gallon, like a dollar and a quarter. And then 9-11 happened, and it went up to 450. Yep, yep. 9-11 was the next year, uh, unfortunately. We were just post-Y2K. So we had the six band members, and it's basically been, I mean, it's been those six throughout, uh, except for uh, Dave Farrell, the bassist, who was not on this album, uh, but picked up later and on the second album and throughout the, the rest of the projects. Uh, we all know Chester Bennington with the vocals, uh, Mike Shinoda with vocals as well, also known for a lot of the, the hip-hop, the rap portion of it, uh, and a lot of the other instrumentation as well, some of the backup stuff. Picks up everything else that they need. Um, with with Brad Delson being the lead guitar, Joe Hahn doing a lot of the, the synths, the samples, uh, the, the scratching, a lot of the mixes and all that, and Rob of Bordon doing the drums, uh, percussion, uh, although a lot of it is samples uh, probably by Johan in a lot of the tracks that we'll hear. Yeah, six-man six band. Um, that's kind of unusual. A lot of bands are three or five, six guys. They all contribute. So they got the normal bass, drums, and guitar of a rock band. Then they got a rapper and a DJ and another lead singer. <laughs> like, so they all they all play their part. It all it it's uh they really make a wall of sound, dude. That's another thing I I kind of remembered when re-listening to this. Like, these tracks are dense. There's all kinds of different rhythms. There's always multiple synths and drum machines, like having all kinds of contrasting rhythms that go against each other and then they play the rest of it on top yeah and it's like it's eight ten layers of stuff hitting you all with different different rhythmic passages to to make this whole wall of sound just massive and going back through and listening to it now I didn't realize how many sounds are added, how many layers are added just by some of the samples and stuff in the background that you don't hear from per se, a normal band or bands at that time, even, or mm -hmm. even bands now. That's something I didn't realize that they had as much of in here. And, you know, we'll point it out going as we're breaking down songs. And yeah. of course, as, as you as the listener goes back and listens to it, I just didn't realize just how much there was and how different that is from, from other artists. Yeah, so we're going to go track by track. We are going to go ahead and uh, tell you what track we're on and the track number and stuff if you want to follow along with us and hear our different uh, kind of recaps, reactions. Um, you got to download the album yourself. We're not going to play any of the songs on the podcast. Go buy it. They deserve the money still. They're millionaires, but, I mean, <laughs> you know, go go buy the dang thing. So here we go. So right off the bat, we got crazy drum machine intro, scratching intro, crazy whooshing noises. All of it comes together. Climax, boom, it's a metal album as well. Yeah, it's a great intro to both the album, which is very heavy. There aren't a, I don't think there's any what I would consider ballads on here, really. Um, just a heavy-hitting song right off the bat, heavy with the guitars. And the whooshing kind of leads into some of the lyrics i always thought you know something in the back of my head underneath my skin and the whoosh is kind of like something's beneath my skin that's what i always thought so i thought that was a great way to lead off oh, the dang. first 10 seconds 
uh, with something that relates lyrically to the instrumentation. It's got that ridiculous needly guitar, just plucking it away, hitting you in the brain, um, scratching all over this. <laughs> He's playing it like an instrument. The bass is thick. Yeah. Um, again, and this sets the tone for the whole album. I love how right before the chorus, it like does a stuttering thing and then it plays like a really trashy drum sample. That's like a totally different thing. It's just like, like right before the chorus hits, it like takes you to this completely different sonic place and it works. So that needly guitar thing just continues like all the way, all the way through pretty much. It's in the chorus and then the bridge and then the bridge hits and it's completely different. It's like a different song. It's like he's talking about the sun instead of the darkness. Uh, it's like it's like a whole nother hook, basically. It's like it's clearing up yeah. in contrast to other parts of the song. Very bouncy song. Definitely a mosh pit song. He's playing that scratch like it's an instrument, dude. It sounds like he just adds a whole nother rhythmic texture. It's like a percussion section. Like a whole... It's like a million drummers at once. Yeah. And again, these are lyrics that anyone that's listened to Linkin Park or gone through any part of the discography should know the lyrics to Paper Cut and this song. And in the, the end course where they're going back and forth, it's like I'm paranoid looking over my back and it's Chester and Mike going back and forth. It's like a whirlwind inside my head. The back and forth there with the two um, vocalists. Is something that's that's very unique. And on this one, it hits the theme too because he's talking about the voice in my head and all this stuff. So it's like the two different characters can be the two different vocalists, and they can do you know all the call and response stuff. Um, I guess they don't do that too much on this. Yeah, they do yeah. a lot of rap. I mean, he's rapping on the verses are straight up rap. A lot of mic, a lot of mic. The Chester stuff kind of hits on the chorus. He sings the catchy part, and then he's got the whole bridge to himself. The sun goes down. That that's the part, dude. It's like a, it's like two songs in one. It's like a, a separate hook that they put in as the bridge, and it's perfect. Um, and then at the end, it, they both come together. So it's like he's doing the the bridge part. The sun goes down, and then uh, Mike still comes in on the the other vocal, like the whirlwind inside of my head stuff, and it's it hits again. Exactly. It's all together. And you have even the contrasting styles with Chester singing and Mike rapping. So you have uh, just the two almost different songs coming together, two different lyrical styles, two different lyricists. It's just a really unique way to to wrap up the song. Yeah. And uh, even Mike's flow is amazing. He's got like a kind of a stuttery flow that hits like the dun 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 dun. Like it's doing that type of stuff on the guitar. Like, and he's he's hitting right with it like he's rapping to the guitar he's using that kind of as the way a different r- other rappers would use like the hi-hat part of the beat to kind of get the staccato-ness out and to to kind of follow right with the hi-hat to make it a- as flowy as possible but he's rapping straight to the rhythm of the guitar and it it totally uh has its own flow and um that really staccato like like palm muting stuff that that uh they've got going on with the guitar 
What would you grade the song out as? Paper Cut gets an S, S tier song. We're going with the classic tier list, S, A, B, C, D, E, F. Ranking the songs, not against all other songs from all time, but ranking the songs as they fit into the different tiers of what Linkin Park achieved and was able to accomplish. So that is what the grade, it's a grading it against itself. It's a curved grading scale where it's it's weighted against what the band has is capable of essentially paper cut gets an s an s higher than an a better than an a 100% and all the extra credit s tier song what do you think michael i'm an a okay so pretty low score <laughs> only 100% out of so <laughs> only an a <laughs> No, I, this one's always been one of my favorites. Um, that's basically what this is going to come down to. I mean, uh, most of the songs on this record are going to probably be high uh, grades. Um, maybe on some of their other albums, we'll start giving out C's or D's, maybe even an F. But uh, in the overall scope of, of the Linkin Park discography, we're going to be giving lots, lots of A's and S's on this album. That's just the way it's going to be. Yep. Uh, to me, I think an S is gonna is like if you could only make like a twelve or a fourteen song mixtape of Linkin Park, of the whole thing, like only twelve song. I mean, let's we'll see what I do, but I think I should really only give out twelve, maybe that many S's over the whole eight ten albums, however many they have. Um. So that's just kind of my criteria for the S rank. It's like if it was the absolute bare bones 10, 12 track mixtape of, but you got to hit all of Linkin Park's music. The Essentials. The Before es they made Essential Playlists, they used to put out Essentials for artists on CD. Sure. Like essentials. They used to put out different volumes too, but Essentials, you know, volume one, 12 songs. So this is. If we were just to do one volume of Linkin Park songs, maybe those got to be the S. Yeah. So, so Michael gives it an A. It's all right. We can disagree. We can agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of degrees here, but uh, that's just that's really just what it comes down to. It's like they're pretty much all gonna be A's and B's on here, even compared to only Linkin Park, and uh, it's just which ones were really your absolute favorites, you know for that to get that little extra juice of extra credit so the second track on the album yep one step closer another banger it bangs here it rips um it bounces it's got that bounce the yeah. new metal bounce the mosh pit bounce exemplified in one step closer yeah yeah uh it, a lot of mic in this one uh again so yeah this one starts with like it starts with a guitar intro, then a, a drum, a super rhythmically enjoyable drum machine comes in with a really weird sample. There's a sample that's like, whoa, whoa, never knew what it was. I think it's just some kind of weird vocal sample that repeats as a loop throughout the thing um, where he's they're kind of just rocking on the guitar and got that loop going as well. Kind of the chill verses. Um chester on the verses instead of mike on the verses this time pretty chill intro right at the very beginning right before the guitars come in but then they just start slamming hitting the mosh pit noise banger it rips yep 
Also known as the shut up track. Yeah. Shut up when I'm talking to you. How many times do we say that? Mm, well. Like 16. It's like a full 16 of shut ups. At least. It is. That's like a full uh, full little verse there. Yeah. So. It's got this that. Is, there's only a handful of times when. I mean. Sorry. Uh, there's only a handful of times. I, I'm screaming I at you know. like Chester is right here. I mean. There's only a handful of times. Really when Chester's screaming on the whole thing. And that's. I mean. One of the things that I remember. Um, is, is Chester's scream voice more or less and that's one of the things that takes it back you know yeah it makes it so diverse is he's he could sing he does a little bit of rap in here like mike and then do his track bangs mm-hmm. it slays the shut up song yep you can yep. never forget that no you got uh chester and mike going back and forth at the end everything you say to me takes me one step closer to the edge yeah he's got the little rap stabs that kind of come in uh also similar to like the the paranoia type thing that seems to run throughout this uh, whole album, but take me through some of the sounds you hear in here and the opening right off the bat. Yeah, you got the guitar intro. This one starts with just the guitar this time. Uh, then the drum machines come in hard, some kind of crazy drum machine pattern. Uh, the loop, it's got like a weird. It goes like a woo in part of the drum loop, and I've always wondered what sound is that. I think it's just some kind of vocal sample. But I always notice that in the in the drum loop that's going on behind it. I think there's some real drums going on in here too. Like they add so much different rhythm rhythmic stuff going on underneath uh, the guitars, which are pretty simple. The guitars kind of just chug along for the most part. I think they pretty much play the same riff throughout the whole song. It sounds pretty much the verses the same. at least repeat, and then the bridge is similar. Get the the pre-chorus goes back to just the guitar, and then they do like crazy like bridge scraping stuff with the pick. It's like some nuts pick effects on here to get some cool scraping sounds, along with you know plenty of scratching sounds from the DJ, uh, cutting it up, playing it like an instrument like he always does. And of course, in the bridge there, when Chester's telling uh, everyone to shut up, we've got heavy scratching. Yeah, it's just funny. It's almost like um, not quite a solo, but you know, it's it's heavy, and I'm just imagining how excited you have to be to be the one doing the scratching. You're like, oh boy, it's not a normal part for for someone in a band to be like, I get to be involved in this heavy, the shut up, the yelling part, right. and I get to do the scratches. <laughs> yeah, all right. It blends really well with the guitar, though. Like, it's a whole absolutely. I keep saying it, but it's so rhythmic, like it, all the, the rhythms that hit against each other in such a way as to be as good as one step closer. It's just a very unique sound and just a funny, funny thought like, hey, Han, get in here and start uh, start ripping this up for us. <laughs> You're in on this part. He cuts it up. <laughs> it's got that mosh pit bounce. It's got the new metal bounce. You just got to bounce when you hear this one. This song, to me, is is one that should be, you know, on, on playlists now. Obviously, it was originally an album, but folks usually listen to things on, on playlists now. This should be on your normal rock playlists. Playlist ability, check. Mm-hmm. What would you grade this out as? You know what? I got to say for the tier list on this one it might be low 
for the album, but I'm going to put this one at a straight up B. Just a B on the tier list. This is an A A minus for me. Okay. I've always really enjoyed this song. Uh, I, I like the different sounds. It's very Linkin Park. I like the song a lot. So the third track on the album, With You, maybe one of the lesser known tracks on the song. Yeah, I think not like one of half of the songs on the album that wasn't a single. <laughs> right. And it's it's a little bit different in sound. Certainly in the um certainly in the verse we drop out guitars, we drop out bass. We have a lot more different sounds going on. Um Yeah, they're definitely doing the loud, quiet, loud thing, quiet verse, loud chorus. It allows for more visuals i think with the lyrics than yep. some of the songs on here you know i hit you you hit me back it certainly uh stands out more we fall the floor the rest of the day stands still i think it's certainly more more visual uh allows you to to see what's going on and then it kicks in with the heavy heavy chorus what are some of the sounds that you're hearing here as far as instrumentation yeah and the they really create an atmosphere, dude. It's they're doing the wall of sound thing again. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Starts with like weird bubbly. I don't even know what it is. I think it's a scratching effect. He's got like some kind of effect that he's scratching up around, but it sounds like weird bubbly things. But yeah, it just kind of comes to a peak, um, and then the wall of sound kicks in, dude. They got. There's like a crazy lead guitar thing. It's actually kind of obnoxious. Of he's just like droning on the really high frets, like really, but it drones through like the whole chorus and intro. I think it sounds dope, but it is kind of annoying if you're only listening for that. It kind of sticks out a little bit. Yeah, it's, but it kind of makes the song too. It does. If you're jazz, if you're if you're nitpicking, that's certainly something that maybe out of all the sounds in the repertoire, they could have figured something else out. <laughs> that was a little different in my perspective. Um, but I certainly appreciate the the contrast. I like, we'll go through other tracks on this. They're certainly where, different where they drop the instruments. I love how on the verses and stuff, they do like a crazy echoey stuttery thing where everything that they say like repeats like da, 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 a bunch of times and there's like distortion of different lyrics that are coming in and out it's like a weird like radio effect that they do throughout the verses which is really interesting i think this is a song on the album that probably has the most effects going on at once yeah uh, and, and part of it's about you know memories um, yep. so maybe some of that has to do with again the instrumentation mimicking some of the the vocals. Yeah. In dissecting this, you know, album further, I certainly draw conclusions between what's been written and what's being played uh, more than I would otherwise. So I'll contribute it to that. Yeah, that's dope. I I didn't notice a lot of that stuff growing up, but I know what you're saying. Like how the vocal effects on this make it sound like memories and the vocal effects on Paper Cut make it sound like two people you know they use the thematic way of building out the song instrumentally to to fit with 
the different vibes that they're going for with the lyrics, which is pretty sophisticated stuff. That's some good songwriting. Yeah. I never realized how meta, how deep some of that was. So, yeah, all the different stuttery old radio effects, all the weird voices and crap that you hear on the verses. That must be all the memories going on. Super industrial sounding guitar. Just uh, and the scratches underscoring it all. Just hitting all those sub rhythms. Just fitting into the groove. Making it just bounce. A lot of rap stabs coming from Mike. You got uh, just an entire uh, scratching turntable solo halfway through the song. Johan takes a solo. Slays it. Then the bridge kicks in. Back to the bounce, the bounce on the bridge. This is another one that's like forward thinking. Like no matter how far we come, can't wait to see tomorrow. Not quite as negative as some of the other stuff. Certainly seeing the light as well as the darkness. Yes, Uh, the nice seesaw as opposed to, as you said, some that are really just dark. Then you got the weird outro, like a really trashy drum sound again that sounds like it's from a totally different universe that just kind of fades it out, just trashing it up. And then some weird synths going on, taking you all the way to the outro. Kind of disorientating, like still being with someone you don't want to be with. Yeah, I remember kind of feeling a certain way about this one when I was younger. Like it is, it's one of the more uncomfortable kind of sounding ones, like you get it's like that half awake half asleep feeling like you can kind of feel this one a lot what do you think yeah and it's my favorite kind of style when i can hear some of the chorus and i like the style where they drop out uh some of the instruments so that you can hear some of the vocals better uh, in the chorus or it allows you to focus in when you drop the guitar and the the bass out to focus on what they're saying lyrically and create a contrast so that your ear kind of peaks and pays attention between chorus and verse. Uh, what would you rate this one? I got to give it an A-. minus. I, th- I like it better than One Step Closer, uh, which I gave a controversial B to. I think it's really good. I think it's really unique, even among the stuff on here. I'll give it an A-. minus. I'll give it a B plus. So <laughs> even a mark behind yours. Um, certainly a... Uh, a song that I do enjoy on this, just not one of my top songs on this album. So track four, Points of Authority, another new metal classic, I think. Uh, it bangs again. It's got that bounce, dude. Yep. We open up with uh, Mike giving us a few few bars here, and then we don't see him again till, uh towards the end there where he gives us a few. Yep. A few more bars as well. So this is mostly uh, a Chester song. Open up with some nice, uh, nice bars from Mike here, and then he doesn't pop up again toward till the end of the track. Yeah, and I'll tell the bridge again. Yep. So we have some nice uh, vocals from Chester about being hurt. Common vibe of the album. Uh, my pride, my life, my pride is broken. So just some, some, some keywords here. Uh, lyrically i love the intro with it's like breathing effect i think it's like a sample of just a guy like <laughs> that kind of thing uh but it sounds like he's scratching it as a sample on the turntables uh, just makes a whole wall of sound dude again and we also close out with the weird dot 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 da, 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 da. 
you know, the weird, uh, weird sound as well. Yeah, I think it's a vocal sample where it they do another uh, scratching solo yeah, bridge at the end. Yeah, where he's just ripping it, and it, yeah, I think it's just a guy going like ah ah ah. So but just a, a unique way to start and end the song, different different ways, but both weird vocal vocal mixes. I like that Chester's uh, shouting on the the chorus is very in control. It's not too. I mean, it's great when when a vocalist can kind of go has a rawness to his voice and kind of maybe loses it sometimes when it's appropriate, but this is very, very controlled uh, on the chorus in his not-quite-screams, but very controlled vocally. So not one of the bigger cuts um, on the album, but some themes that we'll see see later on with this only being the, the fourth track. Um, what would you grade it out? You know, not my favorite. It's kind of a retread of stuff that we've already heard and stuff to come later. Um, just kind of a really solid album track, not really a standout, not really not really the one you remember, but it hits the vibe, it fits the vibe, it uh, fills out some more rhythmic ideas, some more lyrical ideas, adds some more paint to the canvas. But uh, yeah, overall, not, not really uh, that unique. I'll give it a B. I'll give it a, a B as well. Probably be my lowest grade for the album. Couple Bs. Okay. And we're back, and that was Crawling. Track we got track five is Crawling. Crawling is a classic. That's another classic. I think w- this is, what, track five, and we've had five hit singles so far. Uh, <laughs> knocked it out of the park again, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's got that little creepier vibe, maybe, than what has happened so far on the album. Um, the, the verses are very chill. The choruses are very aggressive. It creates uh, certainly a huge, huge contrast, and I think that relates possibly to, you know, the lyrics and the feeling in the song. You know, crawling in your skin, something beneath the surface. So I think that's the harsh co- uh, verse versus the the calmer chorus, and perhaps the uh, what's lurking beneath flaring up. You know, so I, I think that's that's a great great contrast between chorus and and verse relating to oh, yeah. the lyrics and the feeling. Yeah, how the the actual construction of the song fits the instrumentation the yeah the different emotions of it i always thought this song was gross the crawl <laughs> talking about skin and crawling around like i thought it was intense i remember hearing this you know i heard the whole album obviously when i was in fourth grade when it came out in 2000 um which we've said already about 10 times by this point in the podcast but i remember at the time that I th- I th- I I was like, man, you're talking about crawling around on the ground. Like I I knew even then that it, it was like he's really like debasing himself all the way to like crawling on the ground. Like I knew it was intense and that he was uh, self-effacing. You see it a lot in comedy where sure. they make fun of themselves. Self-deprecating. It's self-deprecating poetry. It's not self-deprecating comedy but you can tell that he he has like no self-esteem and like <laughs> you know it's obviously a song it's not like he felt that way a hundred percent of his life it's like a snapshot of of that but i remember even when i was young hearing this i was like that is intense he's all the way on the ground like his skin is melting off like that's what i always imagine uh, absolutely uh, i feel like there's certainly trigger words there that make you pay attention certainly the crawling crawling in your skin um 
I feel like wounds is something that you certainly pay attention to and wounds that won't heal. Uh, so I yeah, certainly feel like there are, there are trigger words, uh, you know, walls closing in, uh, certainly uh, a line of verbiage that, that people can relate to. Well, certainly relatable and also grabs you with some of the adjectives that he uses. So I think it's certainly something that folks can relate to and, and certainly certainly pulls you in. Yeah, it definitely pulls you in. It definitely sounds like a hit. It's got that thing that it does right before it goes back into the verse where the drums are like, like that pre, just like that more jungly feel to it. I think that really grabs you. And right before it goes back into like the chill part where it's got it, it's got that chimey kind of synth thing that's going on like do 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 like that kind of thing um, absolutely i don't know what it's a sample of it's some kind of like chimey sounding synth thing but it sounds cool it it's dark it, it really feels like a guy sitting in his room kind of just letting his mind go and I think a lot of their songs kind of capture that. It starts with like really staccato. It doesn't sound like a drum set at all. It sounds like obviously like a, a made beat. Like some of their stuff sounds like real rockin' drum set. Some of it you can tell it's more like a drum machine. And they kind of thread the needle more than any other band, honestly. Like there's bands that use always drums. There's bands that use always drum machines. You can't even tell. With like Lincoln Park, it's like they mash it all together so much to get all the different rhythms and different sounds. This song in particular, it's very staccato, very drum machine. It's a drum machine. It's not a drummer. Um, so it's got that super staccato, like that kind of stuff going on. Yeah. They bring in the chimes. They bring in the scribbling effect, which they use a lot on this album. Uh, never sounds cheesy. It always sounds like a musical instrument. The way that this guy scratches and scribbles, even if it's just stuff like that, like it adds such a, it adds a percussive element, as a, even a melodic element sometimes with just how he's adding these scribbling and scratching. What do you think about that? How the DJ sounds on this song? I agree. Um, and I really think that the, uh, you know, the contrast between chorus and verse, um, the really intense uh, verses and the very, uh, I apologize, the really intense choruses and the really relaxed verses really show uh, and the contrast between, you know, what the person is feeling and the, the showing you what they're, they're going through vocally, uh, lyrically, and certainly the intense instrumentation uh, as well as, as showing you what they're going through. Yeah, I think the guitar sounds banging. They got a really cool guitar tone that just all over this album, just grindy. Gr they really invented a guitar sound on here that people, you know, rip off for everything. They they kind of hit a gold standard for like radio rock. I would I would even call it like pop metal. It's metal music, which is off putting to a lot of people, but they do it in such a way that it is palatable. <laughs> Honestly, like uh, to a wider, a it's it's really it's really his pop metal is I think a fair way to kind of describe it. They they polished off the edges, not in a bad way and not in a cheesy way at all, just like creating really good metal music that anybody can enjoy, whether they are like a metalhead or not. I think they really nailed that on probably every song on the album, but uh, this one in particular. They got that new metal sound. I 
think they are a lot better than a lot of the other uh, bands that kind of get lumped in with that term of new metal. Uh, they were definitely more inventive than a lot of those bands. Yeah, I think what they're able to do uh, instrumentally creates a lot of different contrast. Um, what they're able to do as far as um, the scribbling, scratching sound. Yeah. Uh, a, a different, different instrumentation. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, creates just just the different sounds and different pieces that you don't get anywhere else. It's mm-hmm. just a, a, a completely different sound, a completely different feeling. Uh, the the contrast that they create just a completely different, completely different than anyone else. They got so many doing. layers, and like a lot of it is just bass, drum, and guitar, like a normal band. But then you got Johan, like, and he even sta- sets apart from other DJs. Like there are other bands that there's a DJ in the band, but like even set apart from that, he's way more musical. Makes it an instrument and makes it his own. Well, speaking of things that are a little, little different, in the outro we have two vocalists at the same time. Can yep. you speak to that a little bit? I mean, yeah, this is this counts as polyphonic music. It's polyphony. Like whenever you got uh, multiple passages of music, multiple melodies happening at the same time. Linkin Park does this all the time. A lot of times it's where you'll hear two different sections of music and then they come together at the very end and they fit together and, and you hear both kind of both riffs at the same time. They're nailing it, man. That's that's the hybrid theory that they're always that th- that the album is named after, and that they kind of invented just mixing in that that m- grindy buzzsaw vocal that that Chester's so good at nailing, and then just having those little stabs of rap when he's like, "Not nah, a sense of confidence. I'm convinced." Like just little stabs of like rapping in and out of of kind of the melody there. I think it works. I think it's cool that it all comes together at the end and how both both of the pieces of music that you've already heard fit together and, and build into something right at the end there. I think that's a really good songwriting technique. It ties in the whole ties in all the different rhythms that you've already heard in the song into just one big thing and uh, that's part of why it's a hit. Your mind loves that type of thing when when the patterns all click together like that and uh it kind of just resolves itself you and your your mind already knows where it's going it already knows how the riff resolves and uh, that's some of the best songwriting is when when you can make that kind of a feeling for people lyrically that's that ties in as well uh ironically whether it was on purpose or not but kind of confusing what is real yeah uh, you know it, it, it clicks in your head but it's also kind of having two things going on at once. Mm. Um, so it's kind of ironic to to have that as the intro, maybe as uh, you're losing control a little bit there. He's it's also, just kind of ironic to have that piece in there. Yeah, that's cool. He's also talking about his own reflection. In a couple, I'm looking at the lyrics again here. Against my will, I stand beside my own reflection. And, and then Mike repeats him, doesn't he? He's like, yep. he's like, stand beside my reflection. He like repeats it. That's like the reflection repeating it. Yep. That's kind of dope. I didn't know. I never realized that. <laughs> That's what you can do with two vocalists, though. You can have different characters in the song. Like one guy is the guy that's experiencing it. And the other voice is like the narrator or his conscience or like an outside party. Like bands that have multiple vocalists can do stuff like that. And it's a lot more. And I love bands when they can have multiple vocalists 
and multiple points of view, multiple songwriters. I think that adds a lot, and Linkin Park excels at that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just different different storytelling. Uh, creates different things as far as, as, as writing musically, uh, and then what you're able to, to do instrumentally as well. So I think it's, it's really special to be able to do that. I got to give the song... I'm going to give it a B plus. I think it I think they nail it. I think it is a standard. I think if you turn on XM radio right now and turn to new metal radio, they're going to play a song from Hybrid Theory every hour just because it's part of it's just that good. It's that ingrained in the format. It's that emblematic of kind of that whole era. But Crawling in particular, not my favorite. It's not it was never my favorite from this album. Um I think it's a great a great piece of songwriting and a great piece of uh, kind of new metal music. For whatever reason, just not my favorite. Just kind of a pa- kind of passable song. It bangs. I never skip it. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. But I would I would give it a B plus overall. I really like the the contrast with the guitars dropping out completely and the verse. I, I think that's that's something that's maybe not seen as much. Maybe I don't listen to as many different uh, things as I should. Uh, I do appreciate that. I do like some of the uh, the double vocals and what they're able to do with that lyrically. I do appreciate that. Still n- not one of their best, but some of the little nuances I do appreciate. Um, but as far as just taking a few of those things away, listening to it, not one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I would give it an maybe an A-. minus. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I will point out real quick, uh, at the time it did chart 79 on Billboard's Tarp 100, so it wasn't necessarily one of their biggest True. hits at the time, because um, a lot of theirs did a lot better, so it's not one of their biggest hits ever. Right. You know, it did better on some of the, the alternative um, stations. It did, you know, number five as an alternative rock, but... That's pretty um, good. That is that is certainly much better, yes. That's enough to keep it in rotation, man. Like... Yep. I listen to a lot of XM radio and it's uh it kind of shows each individual era more than each individual genre cuz you've got so many more choices instead of like three stations you got 30 stations. So it's still a lot of repetitive stuff and a lot of the same music over and over again but you do get an idea of what artists really defined a certain sound or a certain genre or a certain era of music and Hybrid Theory is undeniable, man. Like, yep. Any playlist you've got of 2000s rock music, this fits. You, you can throw this on there. No one will bat an eye. This this will just keep your your 2000s new metal party of chugging along. Absolutely. I agree 100% with that. Yep. All right. So, Runaway. Track six, Runaway. Mm-hmm. This one's a little more of an album track. Not, not necessarily a single sounding. It's a little more gritty. A little more, little more experimental. Not necessarily the single uh, of it, but it's definitely like a bread and butter album track. Yep. Like really getting into the sound of what they're trying to do here. You get some screaming in here finally. The good old, yep. The good old Chester screams. Uh, very controlled, really. Not just out of yeah. control. Controlled vocally the screams are very controlled it's musical it's never obnoxious he's musical about it and i think he's able to hold the the last one on the track able to hold it as more of a singing sing note yeah um the way he's able to hold his last the last crawling scream 
Yeah, he's hitting the notes in there. Uh, in this one we see again uh, the guitars drop out in the verse, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we yeah. still get the, the bass guitar in there, though, pretty heavy. It strips it right back to the the bass and kind of the samples. That is a good point, that the guitar's another example of that technique where they just kind of have the guitar player take a break for the verse. But then he sounds twice as badass when he comes back in on the... he It crushes, dude. Absolutely. I think there's two guitars going on here because at the very beginning, it's got kind of that grungier tone. Uh, But then he just slams you. It comes in probably like 20 second mark, 30 second mark. A different guitar pops up and it's like a metal tone instead of a grunge tone. And they kind of go back and forth to kind of create that texture. But it's just they're defining some of this stuff, man. Like I know there were other bands at at this time that rocked this hard. But uh, just it sounds so crispy and so uh, modern and fresh. It's it just sets the standard for what you can do with with making metal music musical, making it accessible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what'd you hear from some of the some of the the synth and some of the abnormal sounds on this one? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, there's at least a couple layers of samples. You got, again, they kind of got that, like, synthy kind of music box, like, that kind of sound. There's, it, it comes in, like, right before the chorus, and it kind of uh, accents what the guitar is doing. It just has, like, that really high-pitched, like, it just hits that sweet spot. Like, they use it sparingly, but it... it uh, the transitions in the music are kind of marked by some of those little synth passages, and it just makes it that much more intense when it when it switches over. A lot more intense than it would be with just like a normal band with just a guitar player and stuff like that. So I think the samples are dope. You know, some bands will use samples as a crutch, but again, Linkin Park, they use it as an actual instrument, and they use it as part of the, the composition, and I think it works. It adds to the whole... The whole wall of sound that they're going for, uh, and vocally they're doing a couple things here as well, right? The uh, the question response, uh, they point the finger at me again, guilty by association with Chester and Mike, and we get some of the uh, not the polygamy, that's something else, but some of the uh, the over over vocals <laughs> in the later part of the track. Yeah, I think uh, they ch- hit that some that Chester on Chester action towards the end here as well. Yeah. Um, they, they bring it back around. They got multiple Chester riffs going on at the end where his, his riffs are kind of hitting each other. I think that counts. It's kind of another polyphonic vocal type of situation. This one, I always thought of it as like like their street-level song. Like You get those like bubble sound effects at the beginning and weird stuff. Yep. But that, he's always talking about like paper bags and like what else does he say skies of dust and all this kind of stuff like some of their stuff's like in their mind like emotional that kind of but this is like gritty like he's talking about just like paper bags on the street <laughs> yeah i always associated it with hanging out by a factory or smokestacks yeah and yeah so this one is certainly a different tone um yeah and, and, and i think having, it is having problem with with authority certainly not out of his head but in his head in a different and maybe out in the world as well, but certainly a different context than a lot of a lot of the other tracks. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's more of a grunge song 
than a metal song. Yep. It, it kind of stands apart as a kind of its own little sidestep from some of the other some of the other music on this thing which totally were like that's why it's part of why it's so great it was my favorite this when i when i was in fourth grade this song was my favorite and i realized it was it might be the least aggressive song on here i think the last track track 12 is kind of not that aggressive but this one is is more low-key more street level more kind of a more natural sounding music as opposed to some of the some of their stuff sounds like dreamy or like futuristic or like they're playing at you from like a space station type of music. Yep. Um, where it's just sounds that don't really fit with real instruments. Uh, they're kind of the masters at that. But but this song really break breaks it back down and kind of s- just sounds like a metal band, sounds like a grunge band, even with the samples and stuff in there. Kind of adds to the the atmosphere of it and gives it its own flavor. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And uh, they really just kind of paint a picture of for you uh, of what's going on lyrically. So I think they do do a great job of, uh, you know, we just talked about uh, the, the previous track, Crawling, um, yeah. and some of the, I said trigger words, but some of the things that kind of grab your attention. This one's kind of more painting a, a picture for you. Uh, and certainly towards the end, the gotta run away, gotta run away sort of a enacting yeah. action and that that repetitiveness kind of you know gotta run away find open space so i think that's kind of as a trigger as well for for folks and i think it's just a very interesting way to to wrap up the song yeah that bridge is dope where they, they get that jungly rhythm again where they're banging on it like gotta run away gotta run away like, yep that's 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 a great bridge like it's a, that's a good trick to do on a bridge to kind of Get your heart pumping. Get you pumping. <laughs> I think it works. I think you got to have a song where it's like, I want to run away, I want to run away. Like, that's that's enough of a concept for a song to fit into kind of their overall viewpoint. I think it's certainly an uh, interesting placement as well on the album. When, like you said, we do have Paper Cut, One Step Closer, uh, and, cra- and Crawling just previous, but all those earlier. And then we have In the End, you know, Place for My Head, some of the you know, intense towards the end, intense towards uh, the beginning. And then we just have this one kind of chilling in the middle here. I would give this uh, maybe a C plus. It's kind of middle of the road, I think, as far as as far as what they're able to do. Because um, I, I think I've seen a lot a lot of great things from them. I'm going to give it an A minus. It was one of my favorites back in the day. I think it's unique even to the album. I can see giving it a more average rating like you did. But uh, I like it more than Crawling, which I gave a B plus. And so I'm going to give this one an A minus. I think that's it's a tier up from that in terms of just being unique and kind of painting a picture. Ooh, this may be one of the few we disagree on heavily. We'll <laughs> s- I mean, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. That's how that one goes. So now we go from the what I think is the least aggressive song to the most aggressive song on the album. Here we go. is By Myself. So this is an A plus, Ben. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Hey, just straight up before we even go. I think you're right. I wouldn't give it this the S, but I would say A plus. Okay. Easy. Uh so we've got rapping on here. Yeah. We've got uh we've got some some nice screaming on here, some yelling, some hollering, some hooting. Got some good stuff going on here vocally. 
Uh, we've got, I mean, even the lyrics, thoughts of failure sinking in, mm-hmm. and then the guitar drops out for the verse. That's a nice little... Yeah, they've uh, never done that before. A little little thing to, to add in there. It works every time. Yep. Uh, so we just got a lot of good stuff stuff going on here. I think this is the most aggressive song on the thing. I think it's a whole nother level of, of metallic music, uh, industrial music, I think you could call this. I think it takes it up. It don't it don't even sound like a band at this point. It starts with I think I think it's a sample of a buzzsaw. I think it is <laughs> is just a record of a buzzsaw. I don't think it's an instrument or a synthesizer. I it I think they have be. a buzzsaw. <laughs> and I think the other thing that ding I think it's a sample of an anvil. Um <laughs> which they which is used as a percussion instrument in in certain like you know obviously an anvil that you like make a sword or a metal on it is it has been used as an instrument in certain like uh big band stuff um like you know i'm talking like old 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 school music but uh yeah they got i think it's a sample of a guy hitting an anvil with a hammer and it hits on pretty much every beat of the song like ding 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 and it just sounds so industrial, like they made this song in a factory. Like, what do you think about that? That's that's wild. I Anvil certainly crossed my mind at one point. I didn't realize that it could be an anvil, and I certainly think Chainsaw every time that comes on. Yeah. So that's just that's just wild. So we're using half um your standard guitar. Guitar-based drums, the normal guitar-based drums. Yep, yep. And then we're using anvils and, and chainsaws. So that's yeah. Uh huh. So, <laughs> I mean, this is just wild. That's what I was saying. It takes it to a whole different level of. I think that makes it industrial music. Like industrial is a genre of kind of electronic music, but I think that qualifies like music that sounds like it came out of a factory with like buzz saws and and anvils and stuff like. <laughs> And oh, by the way, we'll just drop that all out on the verse, and we'll we'll wrap some bars for you. Yeah, like what are we doing here? <laughs> That's hip hop. I always thought it was mo- it was all about medical stuff. He talks about cancer, and the whole thing just reminds me of just grisly, just medical, like terrible, dark darkness type of stuff. What do you think? Same thing, you know, uh, can't hold on, stretch too thin. Probably not in a literal sense, but you start to think of it in a literal sense when, when you start to put, you know, all the other thoughts, chainsaws and everything else in the context, yeah. uh, you know, as far as what, what tends to go through your head. But just, yeah. And, and when you start to think of, of the lyrics, if, if you can work past all the instrumentals that are going on and you think of all the crazy things that could be, again, going on in someone's head, it's just wild to think of how they were able to what they were able to do instrumentally with with all the crazy things that could go on in someone's head and kind of tying that all in. So I think that's just fantastic yeah. lyrically. And then you have your calm moments again when you're kind of isolated or alone. That's kind of where the, 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 the lyrics um, that are reflected here in, in hip-hop bars, more or less. They're doing that call and response again, but now it's Chester responding to Mike. It's, uh, yes it's it is. Mike setting it up and then Chester responding. And they do a lot of this. Uh, it, it is, but it's also when there's so much talk about things in your head and not trusting yourself. I also tend to think of it as like little whispers and little mm-hmm. almost like your conscience as well speaking to you. So it's just 
it's the different voices in his head. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just a very interesting, just an excellent technique to be to be doing that. Yeah, dude, they do that. I've never really realized that growing up, but it they really do utilize that on every song to kind of give you the kind of two different characters, two different viewpoints. It's fantastic to have a couple guys that can that can do that and have that ability. Yeah. And more writers. Yeah. And more vocalists. Like it's it's no wonder that this was a hit. It's no wonder that this is the the whole album is just a a treasure tr- like every song could have been a single it really could have any anything on this could have been the lincoln park song it is in the end which we're going to cover in a moment i do believe that's their highest charting single it is indeed there's just certain albums in history whether it's the self-titled boston album the self-titled cars album uh, there's a lot of examples where a band just narrows in and every song is a single like you can just tell that every song is electrifying like in its own way and hybrid theory nails a dude like every song absolutely yeah i agree with that 100 percent. all right in the end track eight I we've said it already, but I think it is the biggest Lincoln Park song. Period. I think it is their crazy eights. If you know any song by them, I think it's this song. I think this is the song your grandma knows about Lincoln Park. Number two on Billboard's Top 100. Pretty good. I would say so. Number one on Alternative Airplay. Number three on Mainstream. There you go. Yeah. One, two, three. <laughs> It's kind of a meme. Like I feel like everybody knows this one. I I really think it's like All Star by Smash Mouth, where where the song has just become bigger than the band to where it's like when you hear someone say in the end, you're like, it doesn't even matter. Like no matter what they're saying, you you think about that. You're reminded of the song in normal conversation. Like it's that much of a meme. Just so relevant to so many things and everyone. Someone said it starts with one thing. You would be like, I don't know why it doesn't. You you would just <laughs> you would start like it, you can't help but think about it. Yeah, absolutely. The piano intro is wonderful. Yes. Although it sounds, um, I don't know if it's on a keyboard or I don't know if it sounds. It sounds like a real piano. Finally, yeah. Which I think is the only like real piano tone. On probably the whole album. Probably. It sounds a lot more natural than any of the synth stuff we have heard so far, definitely. I think there's a violin sample in there, too. Yeah, of course, we go back to that piano on the bridge, which is excellent, to drop the instrumentals back out for that with Chester. Very smart to do that. I think it's certainly, after the the whole midsection of the song, to kind of peek your ears up to hear the, the piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some psychology behind that and that you certainly hear the piano more. So to have it, the chorus and the important part, I tried so hard, got so far just to have that reiterated. Or I'm sorry, I put my trust in you to have that reiterated in his section in the bridge uh, over the piano again, I think is just very. Yeah, really, you're really, talking about really the bridge in. where it's like just vocals and piano. Just vocals and, and piano. Drums, but. Yep, yep. Um, then, of course, to end on the piano, just big. Yeah. They strip it all back down again at the very end. They they keep that loop going. I think the drums never change in the whole song. I'm pretty sure the drum set 
part is just exactly the same for the whole track. They do the same thing they keep doing where it'll start with what is blatantly like a distorted drum machine that's like really kind of stuttery and scratch. They got that like stutter, like like that kind of thing where it's obviously like coming through a computer and there's no way you could actually play the drums that way. <laughs> um, but then for like the verses and choruses and stuff, it's like, it's got that real drum set, like an obvious, like a real person playing the drums type of feel and sound. And then I think that that just repeats for the whole verse and the whole chorus and never changes. They kind of just have that on a loop which works um and then it goes with that piano loop that they've got going on i i think there's some subtle violin in there that accents some of the piano notes and then just that lead tone on the chorus that cuts through all the guitars and all the drum samples and everything that's going on i i don't even know if it it is a guitar but it sounds almost like a synth he's doing some kind of guitar tap thing but just the way it rings it just sounds like a chimey synth yeah, I I personally love that sound. Uh, I think it sounds sounds great in the whole whole context. Bringing the piano in, beginning, middle, end, the unique sound, what they're doing with the guitar. It's just a very unique thing that they're able to do. And the vocals again, having sort of a, a rap cadence in there as well, with Mike and 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 having Chester in there, two vocalists. It's just a, a very different than what other artists are able to offer. Mm-hmm. I believe this music video. Uh, only because it's such a huge song. Yeah, is in a giant tower. That's what I always think. As of. well, it's a very uh, at the time uh, and and still now uh, because of the uh, impact, of course, of Lincoln Park. They're playing in a giant tower. It's like a wasteland. Yeah, it's like a Dragon Ball Z like desert where there's nothing. Yeah. So right. You're right. I think I'm imagining it right. Yeah. So I'm actually I'm actually checking it out now. Uh, some of the graphics don't don't hold up as well, but for the folks that remember, this is this is certainly a music video that that some folks may remember, and is just a very influential music video. Something yeah. certainly. I would um, say iconic. Yep, absolutely. Um, that you'll remember coming up. Some of the some of the clothing's interesting too, uh, being that it's twenty years old now. You got some Jinko jeans in there. <laughs> yeah, maybe that certainly type of thing. certainly got some interesting stuff going on. Um, appropriate I, for bands at the time, but the video fits the vibe. Certainly, I always think of the video when I hear it. Yep, and uh, I'm sure other folks do as well, even if they're not big music video watchers. But this was this was everywhere, yeah. and I think it'll be everywhere again with the 20 year anniversary here coming yeah. up. Yeah, it holds up. I mean, it's obviously in the top probably 10 five five songs of the whole decade of by anyone probably absolutely i don't think you could really talk about alternative music or mainstream music in the 2000s without at least mentioning in the end in general i think it's that big of a thing i think so much of what they were able to do as far as crossing genres you've got rap you've got hip-hop you've got metal and things are all over the board you know as far as genres, I think it's evolving more with the time period we're at now. You yeah. can be in multiple genres, and that's fantastic. But even at the time, being in multiple genres uh, with what they're able to provide and the different instruments 
and what they're able to do as far as, you know, even on guitars, doing different things with guitars and drums. Mm -hmm. And so you're talking about anvils on previous songs, just the instrumentation, multiple vocalists, multiple uh, delivery. It's just amazing what they're able to do and and how many artists in different genres are able to take different pieces of what they were able to offer and incorporate in what they do today. And then they just put a normal-ass piano in there. Just a really normal-sounding... Just anyone could play that piano riff. But the way they sequence it and layer it with all these other influences and all these other sounds, it it just works. It fits right in there. And that piano riff alone is iconic. Like, the whole thing, it's, it's an iconic riff. It's an iconic video. It really kind of sums up a lot of what they were going for. It's not my favorite on the album. It's up there. I'm going to give it an A. I'll give it an A. There's no reason not to give it an A. I'll hold on to the S still, I do believe. Man. I'll give it an A. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give it an A as well. Certainly one of my favorite songs. Not sure if it's my very favorite, but Mm -hmm. just the nostalgia for me. One of the first big songs that i listen to over over and over it's it's certainly right up there we got track nine uh, great song it doesn't start with a drum machine uh, most of the other songs on this have started with a drum machine intro this starts with just a straight up guitar so that's a lot different right off the bat absolutely yeah yeah i love it this verse so they have a guitar in this verse and they drop yeah. everything else out if i'm not mistaken so that's yeah. it's a completely different spin on how they do how a lot of their verses seem to be structured um, as far as the instrumentation. But yeah, to leave the guitar in with the vocals is certainly a different sound. And again, we have Mike at the beginning here uh, dropping us some verses that uh, I certainly have always enjoyed as far as the moon um, and and owing you and then relating that to, to probably family issues. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly relating to your family is, is what this song is, is about. Uh, so it's certainly an interesting way to, to start this song is, again, changing the the formula up um, from what they usually do and just doing something a little different again. Um, so it's certainly, certainly interesting listening through the whole album, uh, seeing them see seeing them do something a little different again. Yeah, it's not as much of that call and response thing. Uh, Mike kind of just dominates the verses and Chester kind of dominates the chorus. But Mike does do those little stabs where he's like, see, it's not meant to be, that kind of thing. Uh, more so than some of the other songs, they are kind of separate with just like one guy handling the verses, one guy handling the choruses. Uh, I think it really worked. The screaming is great. They've got like two different bridge section, breakdown sections where they really kind of play with the riff and just kind of scream a lot and do a lot with uh, really natural sounding drums. The atmosphere is just nuts. Like you can feel the dark night. You know, it sounds some of this stuff sounds cliche out of context. Like if you read these lyrics, you'd be like, this is cheesy, but it's not (laughs) somehow it's not like it actually uh, it's deep. Like it hits all all of it just hits. It bangs every every line, every note, something about it. It it adds up to more than the sum of his parts. The first verse, especially the whole intro, uh, not an intro, but first verse, the first vocals you hear to the song. Uh, lyrically, because could especially be taken as kind of a cheesy verse. Just the blatant comparison of the moon and what it's offering to you know a personal issue. There's a lot of songs about the moon, right? Uh, but to make it such a blatant comparison without any 
metaphorical, you know, just, you know, figure it out for yourself, just a blatant um, comparison there, uh, I think could be seen as, as cheesy, you know, just here's a layup for you. Uh-huh. Um, as far as, as our understanding, but the delivery's good, the instrumentation's good, and it feeds right into the rest of the song. I think it's done very well. Uh, this might be controversial, but I will give the song an S. It is one of my very favorites on the album. Jeez. It is in one of my very favorites on the in their discography. I don't know if I have successfully justified giving it an S, but I I just that needly guitar sound with kind of the darkness and grayness of of the rest of the instrumentation it's such a unique sound it's more than the sum of its parts i don't know how else to say it 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 creates a whole atmosphere that that i think they should really nail it i think i'll give it an s an s wow wow um it's definitely an a for me yeah it's definitely an a uh i'll have to think about where it lies in the grand scheme of things for me uh, as far as to what would be an S then, I think, as we go along in this process. But yeah. definitely an A for me. I always liked the the first verse. I think the inst- I think it's kind of creepy with using the moonlight. And I always made me think of the dark and scary things in the dark. And I think that the dropping different part of the instrumentations in and out, you know, leaving just the guitar and then, yeah, again, moving... I say moving things around instrumentally, uh, but dropping off different pieces, adding different things. I think that just creates, like you said, a different atmosphere. And I think it works well for this song as well. And I've always enjoyed that first verse, especially. And we get a little bit more mic in this one, I think, as well. And I think that's a good little switch up. So this is definitely an A for me. Sweet. Track 10, Forgotten. I remember this one. Well, I'm glad you haven't forgotten it. There's some vivid uh, imagery here painted with the lyrics you know place so dark you can't see the end the rain then says dripping ascetic questions more sun till the sun rises up then with the eyes shut looking through the rust and rot and dust a small spot of light floods the floor just a small spot but enough to flood lot of back and forth vocals which is dope because they're talking about from the top to the bottom they're going from this guy to that guy rapping singing another thematic kind of meta use of the two voices you got so many options when you got two really good vocalists and it's mike on the verses here again um he's the primary primary vocalist here and you have chester just kind of popping in on the choruses and kind of going back and forth with Mike. So this is almost, I would argue, more of a Mike song here. Yeah, a lot of rapping. Chester just kind of comes in on the chorus. And then Mike does the stabs in on the chorus. So yeah, a lot of Mike on this song. And you have a lot of the the heavy instrumentation dropping out again in the core and the excuse me, the verses to allow you to kind of key in and listen to the lyrics. It allows you to to kind of listen in. And then it picks up the heavy guitars on the chorus yeah, to kind of create a contrast. This one uh, definitely paints a picture with the lyrics. Yep. So just more more themes on this album, but something that's kind of unique to Linkin Park, especially at this time. I've always really liked this one growing up. I liked it a lot. The bridge is awesome. Probably the best screaming on the whole album. It starts really chill, but then Chester just rails yeah, I think that's it's probably some of the best screaming that he does on the whole thing. And then they hit it with uh, like harmony vocals that come back 
like a bunch of oohs and ahs like they're all over the place dude it's everything you want it's it's competent rapping competent screaming and the singing's great the screams are so well done and he's not losing control he's still hitting notes yeah he's still in his range so he's not losing losing the end of those notes ever so it's just a great vocal performance always by chester what would you grade it i have to give it an a plus i love the song i would not put it on my all-time lincoln park playlist for an s gotta give it an a plus is an a plus for me as well one of my favorite songs on the track, although I'm not sure if it ever made it as a single. I think it has a lot of the a lot of the themes that makes Lincoln Park unique. I like the lyrics. It's got the screaming, which is fantastic. We don't get in every track. Lots of Mike, lots of Chester. I just I just think it's a fantastic track. Track eleven, Cure for the Itch. That's his cure for the itch impression, ladies and gentlemen. That was atrocious. A lot of goofy stuff on here. Uh, basically an instrumental, but not really, because there are a lot, quite a bit of vocal samples as well. It's the guitar solo of the album. Yeah, it's the guitar solo of the album, but it's the sample solo of the album. Mr. Han coming in hot, dude. He is the only performer on this song, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it's all just him cutting and scratching and doing different instruments all at once, all as a one-man band. He's so important to the group and what they do. And so many times, as we've discussed, you're not listening to drums. You're listening to a drum kit. It's Mr. Han, more than likely, doing the drums on on a kit, right? So he's just so important to every song. And even as we're, you know, breaking down different bridges he's in the back you know doing his thing doing his his scratches his samples different pieces on the intros he's in the back everywhere he's just as much an important instrument in this even more i don't want to say more so but he's probably got more airtime than any other individual instrument in this whole album yeah either him or mike like yeah i think so so, so get some standout uh, sounds in here. I love the part at the beginning where it says, it's a lesson in rhythm management. Johan is the rhythm manager of the band. We've been talking about it the whole time, but he always adds that sub rhythm that just clicks in and syncs up in a weird rhythmic way with the guitars and the other stuff that's going on. He's the rhythm manager, and that's what a lot of bands do not have. Yep. I think the keys are great in here. The piano and even the sounds like a cello. I th- I think there's like a cello and a violin. Like a yeah, I don't think they're real instruments. No, but um, it's just Mr. It's Han. still a nice nice sound. Yeah, he's got the sound of it. Yep. I love all the rhythms on this. I love how he chops it up. I love electronic music. I love DJ music in general. I love music where they could take a, just a single loop of a drum pattern and flip it every different which way and hit every sub rhythm that's what he does on here he's hitting every different scribbly rhythm possible all on one song just showing you every rhythm he knows every different little scratch and cut and way to flip and twist a beat and he does it all dude he just solos for two and a half minutes what would you grade it out as i gotta give it an a i gotta give it an a I don't it's so <laughs> good. I loved it as a kid. It's totally goofy. It's definitely like the alternative kind of 
almost like a joke, not really a joke song, but novelty song, which I like having like a little novelty kind of diversion song on an album. It kind of helps to uh, break it up and show you a different side to the band. So, A. I got to tell you, this for a long time when I was younger was a skip for me because I wanted more vocals. Yeah. I was always about the vocals. I was for a long time. But so it's you a would brief just track. Skip it. Yeah, I did. On the no I skips. I did, Ben. Can you believe but this that? This is no skips. I know. No, I, know. I can't. I. <laughs> I mean, look, I can see what you're saying. As I aged, so did my tastes, and I listened to it more. This is an A for me as well. Nice. I appreciate his talents, what he's able to do. And I gotta tell you, I really like uh, piano. So anytime I can hear some keys, I'm on board with that. Very pretty keys on here. Track twelve, pushing me away. Did not like this song growing up. Honestly, you said that your last one was a skipper. Yeah, because I skipped right to this song. So I heard this one a lot. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think this is probably maybe poppier than some of the other stuff. It's maybe a little more polished up with maybe more of a poppy melody on the verses and stuff like that i i don't know what i didn't get on the vibe of this one it always just kind of felt like kind of tacked onto the end as more of a different kind of a thing i like the individual i guess is a plucking we have now i if i don't know if it's a machine i assume it's like a guitar yeah i think it's a guitar he's like just, and it's yeah. not a strum. It's not a strum pattern, right? It's just, is he just plucking it? He's like plucking it super hard. It's yeah. Like he's getting that chimey sound. That's why I couldn't tell if it was even a machine. It's just super clean guitar. That's another thing. This yeah. I think this is like the only track where they actually use a clean guitar, <laughs> but it sounds beautiful. They make the good, it sounds like almost like a percussive bell sound or like a piano sound, but he's just playing like beautiful, really thick, clean guitar lead stuff. That maybe that's what I didn't like as a kid. They clean, they do kind of clean it up a lot on this. I just like that into the the vocals. I like when they can drop. I like when they will drop the guitar out and you just you can focus. I feel like it peaks the ear when you go from chorus to verse and something's missing. I feel like that peaks your ear. So when you drop stuff out into the the chorus and you're missing the guitar and you just got like drum and bass. And it's something different. I just feel like you, you're you like, oh, that's different. And then you're listening to the lyrics. And you're listening to a calm Chester now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, or hang on. I got to get the lyrics. Yeah, the verses are super I chill, though. To you. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty. Mm-hmm. Talk about the light again. Sacrifice of hiding in the light. Yeah. He's always talking about the light and the dark and how the darkness I think the bridge is dope where Mike comes back in. A lot of Chester on this one. This is definitely a, a Chester heavy The Chester song. song. It's a Chester song. Yeah. Till the end, Mike comes in, he does the we're all out of time part, which is pretty cool because it's the last song on the album. Talking about out of time. Good closer. Yeah, I like the simple, clean guitar opening into the very calm, I've lied to you the same way I always do. Yeah, that's a dope line. <laughs> So is this a lie? Is he lying about if he always lies, then that's a lie when he says, I've lied to you. So what is, does that mean that that's a lie or that that's the truth? You know what I, I mean? don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let my faith for the sake of being with you. But yeah, I, I it bangs. I mean, even though it is one of the cleaner songs, 
there must have been a purpose for sticking this last behind Cure for the Itch. I'm sure there was a reason for how everything was ordered when the album was released. So probably giving Chester more airtime here, but I'm sh- I'm sure there were other reasons. But pretty good song. I'm feeling an A minus, dude. It's catchy. It's super well put together. I think it is one of their best songs. It is one of the their kind of signature standout songs. It's in like I think of this right up there with like crawling or in the end when I now I do when I think back on it. Um, in hindsight, I really think this one stands up. So put it in the same tier that I put crawling in in the end. And I'm I haven't looked at the notes, but whatever I just said for a grade, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's an A minus for me. I like this. You can sing with it. You got Chester singing on it. You can sing along with him. You can certainly sing the opening verse, the I've lied to you, same way that I always do. You know, Mike's Mike's rapping. I just several elements that are just very Lincoln Park in here. You can sing along with it. I like it. A minus. So we're definitely going to be covering the relevant bonus tracks, remix tracks, B side track, tacked onto the end of the album as a. Uh, give you a little more context a lot of times that's some of the best stuff honestly yeah the stuff that gets uh tucked away there as a little extra for the fans and this is a great example of that (laughs) we've got two bonus tracks that showed up on the japanese record on the cds that are produced there so a lot of times the record label so that people don't import it from america they'll put a little extra track on there for the japanese audience so they go ahead and buy that album. Um, yeah, that holds true to today. Point is, this there's two more it l- great songs. Uh, I really think of these as just kind of tracks 13 and 14 on the album at this point. Like I always listen to them right after pushing me away. I never had them as a kid. Um, I ha- I never heard them as a kid. I didn't actually hear them as a kid. Yeah. There was a a weird imported single that I picked up from a Best Buy that had these two songs and One Step Closer on, I believe, which was track two from Hybrid Theory. So just a weird import that made it to the United States, made it to a Best Buy and had these two songs on it. You got the B-sides. Yeah, absolutely. So it's pretty sweet to have that. Like, I don't know where these songs came from. I do now. Yeah, because you didn't understand any of that as a kid. Like, Nope, didn't understand any of it at uh, maybe 12 years old. So just More songs. Absolutely. So this stuff, I think it just is part of the album, dude. It, it's a lot more experimental. You got My December, track 13. You got High Voltage, is track 14. Uh, My December is like super chill. It's like the most ballady song on the album by far. Probably the only Probably the only ballad. That's and why I love it. High Voltage <laughs> is super, super, it's just a straight up like hip hop song with almost no Chester at all. And it's the only song on the album like that where there's really no metal or rock element to it. So it makes sense that these were kind of the, they're almost like singles at that point where they're just put apart separately from the album. Like yeah. these are the other two like facets of what we're capable of. And they're really uh they're sta- both of them are standout tracks like classics among stuff that was singles i i wonder if they if they had made made it to the united states earlier if it might have 
not changed the perception of Linkin Park, but enhanced it. Perhaps. Like, yeah, what if they just made a 14-track album and called it a day? Like, would it would it have? I don't know. Would it have hit the same way? Would Hybrid Theory be as classic? You know what I mean? Like, because everything on Hybrid Theory kind of flows together as kind of one vibe. So it makes sense that they're at the very end, at least. Yeah, I mean, we don't get a real balladish song like My December for several albums yet several years yeah so my december is the closest thing you get so it's just just interesting that the american audience wouldn't get that for several years yet not having this track on the american version yeah it's pretty much just piano and then like random rhythmic uh scratching that just kind of hits it's like those paintings where they just throw paint at the canvas they just flick their wrist and like slap random paint that's what the scratching is in this. It's just random scratching, but the way that it hits and the way that it hits against the piano, it totally works. It makes all these different little patterns that just push you through the song. And you get the booms in the back. It kind of just makes me think of someone standing out in the snow. Kind of creates a, a mood, very ominous. Very mood. With the... um. The kind of bummer lyrics, the kind of tone set by by Chester being all alone. It's a beautiful song. More vocal stabs from Mike, as he always does. He's always got to like accentuate what Chester is saying with like another little passage that he raps in there. It's great that he harmonizes with the piano on the chorus. Yeah, and then he harmonizes with himself later. They double track him doing harmony when he repeats it later. And it sounds amazing. It's cool that they can play his own voice against itself. It doesn't always have to be Mike. They can just do like a really Chester-heavy song. And he can sing ballads, dude. Like he's known for having like that cheese grater, like screamy voice. But like yeah, this is a legit ballad where he's harmonizing with himself and singing with the piano and all kinds of stuff. This is one of the biggest, I think, disappointments of the full hybrid theory project is this was not on it <laughs> is that this they is forgot it's this should have been on it yeah they both should high voltage as well but i think this more than high voltage personally just sets a completely different tone than anything else on the album and to rob an audience of this song both tracks do make the second album reanimation which is the first time i heard them yep i thought those were the songs i had no idea that there was an older one Right, so that would, would just be a surprise to someone hearing them for the first time in, in that form. As your the second album comes up and you're matching every song that's remixed on the second album to what's on the first, and you just see two new songs on there that you don't know. I'm going to give it an A+. Plus. Man, can I give this an S? Oh. Have you given anything an S? I don't think you have. <laughs> I should have given in the end an S. <laughs> We'll we'll tally the votes at the end, folks. Don't Mm. worry. We will have a running tally on the website. But I absolutely love this song, and I'll give this an A+. I'll give this an A+. It's not an S. This would be on my B-side of the greatest hits. There you go. Yeah, not quite the S, but totally necessary. Great album track, great uh, way to set its own vibe apart. They don't have... I would say uh, enough on here to say that it really stands apart from some of the other things 
to make it. I wouldn't say there's enough on here to say it's a truly unique track. The scratching they do is obviously very unique to Lincoln Park. That's something you don't hear on ballads in general. The piano is great. It just Chester's voice is very good. But there's some of the other great things we've seen Lincoln Park do that aren't all incorporated here or even in various iterations. It's just a more simplistic track. But I'd still give it an A+. Yeah, you know what? You nailed it. That's why I can't give it the S. It's too simple. It It is what it is, and it is perfect in what it is, but it is just kind of a snapshot. It's exactly. not like a completely realized thing like some of these other amazing songs are. But, yeah, it's still a great little snapshot in time. It's great at what it is. It's an A+. Dude, I love High Voltage. It's an S. I think the lyrics are incredible. I think everything he says is hilarious. Like, there's no way this is not an S. He annihilates it. The remix is even better. That's the one that I actually like, but this is just so good. I can't even, I can't even, dude. It's it's the quintessential rap song by Linkin Park. It's almost all Mike, only a little bit of stabs of Chester. I love the instrumental. I love the flow. I love the imagery. He says more stuff in these few bars than rappers say in their entire careers. Like the m- amount of imagery that he puts into this is incredible. It is the rap Linkin Park song. What I, do you think? I firebomb. Ghostly notes haunt this. I tried threats, but moved on to a promise. The lyrics are great. It, it is the rap song for Linkin Park. Violins, but, you know, the, the samples, the generated violins and, and strings we kind of hear in the back uh, when you listen to it. I like that as a contrast to just some kind of a bunch of bass sounds or whatever you might hear in a standard hip-hop track. I do like the orchestra sound of it in the back. There's uh, some some buzzing in various parts as well that do sound like electrodes. I, you said it. This is the hip-hop track for Linkin Park. Great lyrically. The different um, There's different vocal clips that cut in that that relate that are yeah they're cool they break it up and then they've got the part at the end which is not in the remix where it's like a sample of chester that comes in sometimes i feel like i'm constantly misunderstood that part's cool it's like the only little chester part but they figured it out on the remix they cut that part they just make it all mic i would absolutely put this on my lincoln parks career spanning greatest hits for sure s tier song this is an A plus for me. A plus. A plus. <laughs> I don't know if I can quite give it an S yet, but uh, so it's on par with my December. It is for me, yes. And since I heard those two songs together, it's you know very nostalgic for me. Those two together, yeah. What they're able to do here creatively, this is an A plus for me. I I can't quite give it the S. Fair enough. So, yeah, there are a couple more bonus tracks that were put on various special edition, bonus editions of the album, a couple of remixes, stuff like that. The Points of Authority Crystal Method remix. Not a big fan of this. Nope. You got a weird wiggle it starts out with. Sounds like a wiggle, but it's a... It's something. It's a loop for five minutes. Yeah, it's way loopier. It's all chopped up, and it's all... The, it's not nearly as good as the type of uh, remixes that they do later on in reanimation. Yeah, we got the lyrics 
different pieces being faded in and out. Doesn't really fit that great. No. Give it a D. Yeah. That sounds good. Kind of a boring bonus track. Yeah. Could have been interesting. Another D coming up. Uh, One Step Closer Rock Mix. I can't even believe they made this, but there was a B-side remix. Same thing. Can't even believe they made this, dude. Like, it defeats the whole purpose to do a rock. Literally the same song without the scratching. Well, whether that came in later or they just decided to see what it sounded like without that piece altogether, I'm not sure why they decided to release it. It defeats the purpose. Like, it's supposed to be a hybrid theory. It's supposed to be both the the rock and the scratching. Yeah. So why would you screw it up? I mean, it's whatever. Just an extra little B-side. It is something that they did that they tried. It's the first album. Little remix. We don't see them releasing these later on. So, like this. Final B-side release that was not just a live version of a different song, but either a remix or an original song would be... The song Step Up. Yeah, I believe it was on a demo prior to this album. I believe it was on the original Hybrid Theory EP demo tape that they did. Yeah, and then it was re-released as a B-side to one of the singles on Hybrid Theory. Yeah, pretty cool song. Good idea to have a B-side from that original demo tape, kind of throwing it back. Yeah, they've come a long way. Uh, it's funny that lyrically it, it just discusses more or less how rock and rap go together. That's that's the heart of the song, more or less. It's super meta. Like, they're only talking directly about themselves. Yeah, so they've come a long way. Yeah, it's kind of barely a song. There's no Chester on it. There's no real... Mike does the chorus on his own, which is kind of boring, but the verses are pretty dope. A lot of the samples are really cool. There's a lot of parts where they didn't write any words or any really finish it. They just throw a bunch of cool samples in and kind of show you what Johan can do. So deserve to be a B-side, you know, definitely like a D. Certainly worth a listen for big Linkin Park fans. But yeah, I can't give it a passing grade. (laughs) So that's about it. That was Hybrid Theory, including some of those other little bonus tracks that they have done throughout the years of course now they've got the 20th anniversary they got a million bonus track a million bonus tracks can you believe that but uh yeah those were all the ones that they did before the re-release overall though dude obviously a classic album i would say out of all the cds i actually own that's one of a handful that i'll probably always hang on to and if you're ever looking, you know, someone that doesn't collect a whole bunch of stuff, if you're ever looking for vinyl or something like that, that may be an album worth worth picking up. That'd be a good one, yeah. Just an important album that helped bring music to where we are today. Totally. So that's our show, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for taking that journey on the deep dive through Linkin Park. Check us out next week for another album, another episode of Polymuse. Follow us on Poly News Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Comment. Tell us all of your thoughts. Tell us why we were right, why we were wrong. Check out the website for our official ranking, a running tier list of all the songs so you can see how they're stacking up against each other as we go through the discography. See you next week.